Happy Sunday, everyone. Welcome to the smartest guy in the room. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I am Jerry Dempsey, and there's only one of me, thank God. Also with me today, Matt Smith, as usual. Good morning, Matt. Hola. That is Spanish for hello. Are you what part you of the Spanish community? I'm bilingual. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Have you ever learned? I mean, you, I know you took Latin in high school. We covered that many moons ago, and I've just known that about you through life. Probably one of the dumber things, if you don't mind me saying, that you've done that I know about. Um, <laughs> I only did it because it was the only class I could ace. Really? How? I thought it was really hard. Because I wasn't very good in school, so I just kept taking the same class every year, and and uh, it would bring my GPA up. Yeah, but I took Spanish, and I had, like, this woman who probably in the world of worlds wouldn't be hot, but in an all-boys Catholic school, <laughs> she was definitely a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Outside of those walls, she was, like, a 3, but every hey. single every single guy, because we were all so hard up then, because there were no girls to look at at our school, we all fantasized about her. I can say, as disgusting as this is going to sound, I did have fantasies about not just her, but even some of the nuns. Uh, <laughs> now, that is disgusting, because yeah. they were old. Didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like outlaw Josie Wells. Take the old one if you gotta. <laughs> no, my father, my father told me that if I took Latin, it would help me with my writing, since, you know, I grew up to be a writer. And it was a big fucking lie, because it didn't help me at all. No, if you're going to be like a work at the morgue or be a doctor, because all the bones are like in Latin and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so it didn't help me at all. But I, I just I got familiar with it. So I kept retaking it in junior high, high school and college because it would mm. raise my GPA. But I, I told you, I think the only time I ever used it was uh, my wife was married before we got married and we had to get in an annulment to get married in the church, which was only important to my mother by the way, but uh, when the annulment Thanks. came, when the annulment came back, it came from the Vatican and it was in Latin so I could interpret it. <laughs> it's the only time I ever used it. That's amazing. Well, you've used that more than I've used um, trigonometry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, always, I actually had to use that in real life when I worked with my father in construction and, uh, uh, Needless to say, I couldn't figure out what I had to do, and he had to do it for me. <laughs> you had to like do derivatives, or or should I, I have, not even ask this? I question? had to figure out an I had to figure out an angle when we were. Yeah, deciding. but is that geometry? Uh, it was actually a trig problem, if I remember correctly. But uh, needless, uh, e even if it was geometry, I sucked at both, so I couldn't do it. Yeah, but you know what? What pays off is my son is taking advanced math as an eighth grader, and I'm not humble bragging or any other kind of bragging. It just is a fact. But the good news is he will never come to me and ask me for help with his math homework. Yeah. And I appreciate that. <laughs> my there laziness has paid off. There was huh? I understand that there is a rule, actually, that my kids instituted in my house uh, – after the fifth grade, that I was not allowed to help either one of them with my with their science <laughs> or math homework. 
<laughs> and it paid off because they both ended up being scientists and uh, do no thanks to me because uh, unless they want to thank me for staying the fuck away from their homework. <laughs> well, just like me to, you know, say something, make a statement and then totally, you know, uh, what's the right word? Hypocrite. Go right against what I just fucking said. My wife was somewhere. She wasn't home. And my son needed help plotting lines on a graph, you know, using um, whatever, some kind of map. And for some reason, I knew how to do it. And I showed him and he didn't believe me. And I kept proving it to him. And I started getting really mad. And I threw his pencil at him and said, why the fuck did you even ask me in the first place? And then when my wife came home, she's like, yeah, daddy did it right. (laughs) And they were all astounded that the idiot got it right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 amazing. I don't know if you have the same experience, but it's just amazing how little faith people in my family have in me. And then when I get something right or do something right, they act shocked. But, you know, we've set that table and it's like your chickens come home to roost isn't always a bad thing. You just, you know, like I purposely used to act dumb so people wouldn't bother me. So, you know, I mean, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way that you got to take the good and the bad because everyone thinks you're dumb means people won't bother you with stupid questions, hopefully. So there is some kind of win there. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, my kids are on their own because my wife's not very smart either. Well, they had to get their brains from somewhere, buddy. Maybe all their teachers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. As long as they got them, right? I don't care where they got them. Hard work, you know. My dad used to think I was smart. and But he never uh, put a lot, you know, didn't put any pressure on me to do anything. I just remember him telling me, like, don't be stupid like me. <laughs> Which <laughs> well, is sad, got, but it was true. They got the hard work from my wife. My wife works like a rented mule, man. She's got a work ethic. So grit. Grit. I read uh some article about grit. There's a woman that, you know, like an economist, and they try to measure that stuff and whatnot. And it's slightly off topic, but nothing we talk about is off topic because everything is on topic. Um Life is just one gigantic Venn diagram, the way I like to say it, made with the spirograph. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, didn't I say that last week? Or did I just make that up now? Doesn't matter. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. My daughter (laughs) likes doing spirographs, and she gets mad when the little pins come undone and whatnot. Did you ever do that when you were a kid? Yeah, I was thinking that. What was the name of that game? That it wasn't, well, it wasn't a game, but it was like, Every kid had it. It was like a a toy or a uh, there was something that had to do with spirographs when we were growing up. Etch a sketch. Yeah, there you go. No, not etch a sketch, but something like that. It was something kids always got for Christmas. I'm gonna have to reach out to my sister. She'll know. I'll I'll text you once I solve this mystery. All right. So our topic today is community. And like a lot of words in our lexicon, it means many things to different people. Um, Sometimes it gets bastardized. Sometimes it just gets um, diluted. But I'll ask you what, you know, I mean, I got the definition of it in front of me, but 
When you hear the word community, what is your like visceral? What's your immediate response? Huh. You know, this is an interesting topic for me because it's one that I actually think about all the time and I even actively seek out. But, uh, you know, I think community is the feeling amongst a bunch of people that brings these people, that brings everyone together to shared experience. And it's that brings people together and that unites them in a common bond or a common feeling and common goal, uh, maybe, uh, or a common goal. But, um, it's funny because it's something that I think I seek out. And I think one of the reasons I seek it out is, um, well, you can find community in any, any, in anything. Um, doesn't have to be, I mean, you know, where you live, but I think that cities like Buffalo are similar to cities like Cleveland and cities like Buffalo or uh, Boston and Chicago and Philadelphia. When you think of those cities right away, those cities, you can imagine like the, 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 the people that live there, you know, you think of Buffalo or Cleveland, you know, and you, you think of like the blue collar, you know, people, you think of Boston kind of this kind of similar, but Boston seems to have like a spirit to it, you know, uh, Chicago, there's like a spirit of, there's a, there's a caricature to the, to the people there. And I think the reason why this resonates with me is I lived in Albany for 23 years and this might be common among capital cities. You know, I got the same feelings in Sacramento and you know, Sacramento better than I, but I lived in Albany for 23 years and I raised my kids there and there was no sense of community there whatsoever. Mm. And they're always just seeing, it just seemed to be a place where people lived and there wasn't any one bond that pulled people together, you know, and a lot of it has to do was it, it's a political town. So, you know, it's a state capital. A lot of people who work there only work there between like, Monday and Thursday, and then they leave Thursday night to go back to wherever they're from. But, you know, they, they're, they migrate there for work because it's the capital, you know, like a lot of the politicians, they have these giant staffs, you know, and everyone was in, uh, employed by government in Albany, but they came from all different parts of the state. They'd work there during the week. And then, you know, by Thursday night, Albany would be a ghost town. Yep. And, um, you know, there, there was nothing, there's nothing in a city like that, that I found that pulled people together. There was no common bond or experience or, you know, so community is a big deal to me and I'm going on uh, a little bit too long on this, but you know, it's, it's one of the reasons I think I moved back to not necessarily Buffalo, but a place like Buffalo. Uh, I was I think I was searching for like just sense of community and maybe, you know, it's the kind of people who are blue collar. Maybe it's even the sports teams or whatever, but there's something that brings people together. And I think that's an essential part of community. 
Yeah, I've moved around a lot. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned state capitals because I live in Raleigh now, which is the state capital. And I lived in Sacramento. But I also lived in a little town called Los Gatos, which is a um, suburb of San Jose. So it's Silicon Valley. But Los Gatos is kind of a neat little, I wouldn't call it a tourist town. It's right at the base of the Santa Cruz Mountains, right? So once you cross the mountains, you're at the beach in Santa Cruz, which it's all beautiful area. Um, they had, I can tell you from the time I left Buffalo to the time I got to Los Gatos, I never felt like I, I was living in a, a city and part of a community kind of to the point of this whole conversation. And I only lived there for about two years. And, um, when I left, I felt like I was leaving home. Like when I moved there, I felt like this is my place. I feel like I belong here for some reason. And I can't even really tell you why, but there was a sense of community there that I didn't feel since I had left Buffalo. And when, you know, growing up in Buffalo, we had nothing but community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the world might've kicked Buffalo around like a redheaded stepchild of a city. But if you're from the place, you love it. You don't care. You don't give a shit what other people think. But I think that's part of what makes a community is, you know, you if you feel, you know, Buffalo is always the butt of jokes. So, you know, there is a sense that, okay, we're the butt of jokes. We're in this together. You know, we all every, you know, it, it everyone gr grows up here with a chip on their shoulder. And they feel like it's us against the world. You know, there's even shirts that say like Buffalo against the world. Yeah. But it's that kind of bond that brings people together and makes a community. So, I mean, I actually think that view of Buffalo that people have on the outside was essential in developing the kind of community that, you know, a place like Buffalo is. And I think like, Again, I think like a city like Cleveland has the same thing, you know. Uh, so on. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of those those videos where they they're like, um, <laughs> excuse me, they're kind of like the Onion. They're doing a promotion for a city. And they do like a song and a jingle. And then like at the end, they say, hey, at least we're not Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's funny. Like you could find community anywhere. Like my brother lives outside of D.C. And uh, I've been working on this book about. This is stupid of me because it's turning into an animal that like I just can't control because it's such a big issue. But I've been trying to work on this book about the Catholic clergy sex abuse scandal in Buffalo. And uh, I'm attacking it from a certain way. Um, but anyway, I talked to my brother for it because my brother is the one person in my family that, you know, we we, we talk a lot about on this show about how people in Buffalo are raised, you know, Catholic. And uh, it, it kind of like looms large over you know, uh, the way we were raised, I don't think it's as prevalent here anymore as it was when we were kids in the seventies. But, you know, my brother was the one person in our family who kind of rebelled against it at an early age. And, you know, 
I mean, he had this talk with my parents that like he wasn't, you know, into the church. He wasn't going to church. And my parents took it kind of hard. But anyway, fast forward, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, but he 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 is a father now and he's, you know, got two girls and his wife is is pretty Catholic. And my brother is in, kind of really involved in his church uh, in outside of D.C. And, you know, part of it is because he's got two daughters and they they had their kids go to Catholic school. And, you know, he wanted to uh, it was important to his wife, you know, so he went around. He, he went along with it. And uh, he's a handy guy. He's so he builds like a lot of stuff for the church and things like that. But I was talking to him about it, like, why would you go back to the church at a time where the church is, you know, has so many problems? Mm. And I'm not speaking for him, but one of the issues he brought up was his particular church has a sense of community. Right. And I think that's really great, especially in a when you live in a giant place like D.C., you know, uh, where every everybody could just get lost and not feel any type of you know bond or connection. Sure. To have that sense, to have a place where you you have a sense of community, whether it's for yourself or just for your kids or your you know your family, you know. So you know, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to find a sense of community in in the city you live in. You could find it someplace, you know, someplace else. It doesn't have to be just the local, the municipality. It could be the church or something like that, you know? Yeah, but a lot of them, and I agree with you, and I see the dilemma. I mean, the church as an institution is really just a group of people, you know? Um, yeah. My sister that was on our podcast not too long ago, she got into yoga um, a while back, and, you know, actually to the point where she had gotten certified to be an instructor, but what she could not come to grips with was that whole, like, religious aspects of the yoga. And then, of course, the sexual exploitation that occurs in that community. That's, that was in the news for a while, too. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I, I guess, like, when I bring up my brother's example, it's not so much the Catholic church as a whole, it's his church in the, his community where he lives, you know, and just like the activities and things like that, that bring. Yeah. But I mean, I was going to a a different, more point that ties them two together is as we get older, you know, well, there was nothing stopping my sister from say opening her own yoga studio and doing it the way she wanted to. Right. Because now she could be in charge of how she wants the yoga experience to be for other people that she touches. And your brother taking an active role, now he is looked upon as maybe not the institution, but more of a leader in that institution. So, you know, you think about anything in life, and we're seeing it now played out on the world stage as it relates to what's going on in Eastern Europe. But like... We, as a society, whether we want to admit it or not, are in a constant change from chaos to order and then back and forth. We get bored, order descends into chaos. We get sick of chaos, it's too chaotic, then we want order. Reminds me of like the pit and the pendulum, you know, this story from Edgar Allan Poe. 
it's like that, but that is our life. It just, you know, it, when you zoom out, that's my new uh, catchphrase, by the way. Like when my stock is down, when I'm looking at Dogecoin at 11 cents a share, I'm like, yeah, but it was at 74. And I try to make myself happy again. And it'll be there again. You know, and I, I try to tell myself those kind of lies because, see, again, that chaos in a different kind of point. But but your your brother taking an active role, he's saying, well, I'm going to make that my church and what I do better than what I saw it. So now he's pulling it from chaos back into a, a respectable place. And again, I'm just I'm just speaking off the cuff. I don't know that much about your brother and what it does, but that's what it sounds like to me. I think it's actually I think it's closer to because it's less about the church and it's more about community. And I'll I'll give you an example or I'll try to tie it to something you've talked about uh, before. You've talked about uh, your kids' martial arts. And mm. how I think even when you got you got involved in martial arts, I think for a while, but you talked about how it had after after getting involved after a while, you found like that there was this family feeling to it, a family aspect to it. Dare you say community? Then there you go. So it's not yeah. so much about the institution. It's about belonging to something and feeling the sense of family. You know, sure. and he, he, he's like going back to my brother. It's not like it's not like he's a Eucharistic minister or anything like that. But like, you know, he'll build shit for, you know, people in the church who need something. Like, it's just like a, it's like the same thing you experienced with martial arts. It's this sense of family. Uh, yep. You know, I even felt it, too, when I was, you know, people. I think that's one thing that we've talked about CrossFit before on our show and you know, some people view it as a cult, but like there's that when you're into it, I guess, and I've never joined CrossFit, but like, you know, people find a family there. People find a, a bond that brings them together. So it's a sense of community. I think that we all seek out that sense of community. It's just, we find it in different places, you know? Well, it's, you know, I mean, when you think about community and you think about, any type of belonging, you know, I try, I try to like read about stuff where it really just kind of sums up everything in, in, in an overarching kind of theme, but it's really about giving back, you know, anytime you've done something for someone else, even if it wasn't a lot of work or a lot of trouble, the gratitude and just like, uh, that feel good, you know, feeling of giving back or doing something or even paying it forward. How, you know, all the fun things that we hear about these days. I mean, I just read a stat that the United States is one of the most um, philanthropic societies in the world. Like we, we donate or, you know, give to causes more than any other country on the planet. Right. Now you don't hear, I don't hear that being touted anywhere. I found it in an obscure article. I was just, as I was, you know, roaming the internet like I so often do. Um, and I just made me think, I wonder why. Why is that? You know? Why are we so giving? But you ne but you never, you know, you always hear, oh, Americans, they love ketchup on everything. And, you know, <laughs> we're classless pieces of shit or something. The Every ugly Euro American. and his brother has a story about that. What's that? 
every European person. I, I was arguing with someone on the internet about that. And they're like, I'm an English chef. And I'm like, is that like jumbo shrimp? <laughs> is that like oxymoron? <laughs> I'm like, I bet you could make a good spotted dick. <laughs> <laughs> a good mashed potato. Bangers. I want a hot banger in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any bangers uh, for St. Patrick's Day? No, but I did have a corned beef sandwich uh, Sunday before. I went out to brunch with my family, and I got the uh, corned beef. Well, Some you know, there's, an, there's, an, there's another thing. St. Patrick's Day, I think, uh, for that one day at least, it brings a sense of community. Uh, you know, I mean, it, obviously it's a reason to party, you know, but, uh, you know, but whether you're Irish or Italian or, you know, whatever, you know, that one day pulls people together and they all go to their favorite place. And, you know, it's that sense of family, that sense of belonging, you know, that community, uh, that brings people together. Every, everyone seeks out a community, you know? So, yeah. And some of them, you know, again, you could stack rank them. You could look at the value. I mean, when I was running all the time and doing, five and 10 K's. We used to have a, like a group of us from my work that we, you know, work would actually pay our entrance fees because it was all going to charity. And there's probably like 50 people from my company that we would run like not just corporate challenge, but like a ton of different five K and 10 K races. And you just meet, you know, you see the same people, you get to know them and the running community. I know you hate running and probably a lot of things associated with it. But a lot of times after a 5K, Matt, you know what we have is beer. <laughs> right. So, right. you know, so there's another an example of community. There's another and example. Well, exactly. And same thing with like the punk scene, you know, the, I grew up, you know, and I gravitated toward the punk scene, but I think it was a, because of that feeling of community. But like, so the question is, why is the sense of community important to people? I mean, why does it matter? Why, why not just, why, why do, why do people need it? Why can't they just go it alone? I mean, look at, uh, one of my, I don't know if I would call him a personal hero, but just someone that I've read a bunch of his crap and I've always enjoyed his stuff is, uh, Thoreau, right? During his time, you know, his whole little hiding out in the woods in his cabin in Walden you think about how often that theme gets repeated in literature and in life. Like, I just want to escape to my cabin in the woods and get the fuck away from everybody. <laughs> well, there's the dichotomy. I guess that's why I bring up the question, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, too much of some people, you know, it's like, uh, in economics, they call it like the tragedy of the commons, you know, cause it, when you have inclusion, there's always going to be what exclusion. Mm -hmm. So getting kicked out of the group as so many of us do on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it has a lot of negative connotations, right? I mean, so once you have right in, in this day and age too, we talk more about inclusion and if you probably did the numbers on it, it there's never been a bigger time where, it's so easy to pick fights with people and, and cancel people and all that other crap. Yeah. So I don't know I, what the answer is, you know, when I went to, uh, it's funny that dichotomy because 
I think a sense of community is important to me, but then I'm also that first person that, you know, like when I went to college, I went to this college where like the Grateful Dead was huge. It was a small mm. college. So it seemed like everybody was like, you're not a deadhead, are you? No, I'm not. And everybody that I went to my school, whether they came in as a Grateful Dead fan or they never heard of the Grateful Dead, they all just seemed to become deadheads, you know, and it became, and I guess, you know, when I think about it, it was, you know, a sense of wanting to belong and a sense of finding a community. Uh, and even though that, even though community is important to me, like I, I rejected that whole scene, you know? And but did you find a community of people that equally rejected them? <laughs> that you not could join? really, you know, I didn't really find a sense of community in, in my college as small as it was, you know, cause, and, but it, I just knew I didn't want any part of the community that existed there. I went so, to a Grateful Dead show one time and hated pretty much every minute of it. Like yeah. the people selling rock soup and selling peanut butter sandwiches and shit so they rock could go soup. get hits of acid. What's rock soup? Just like all the people trying to sell money so they could get to the next show, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know. I'm just telling you, like, again, I'm more in agreement with you on that. I mean, my secret uh, that I could never tell anyone was like that I was a closet juggalo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I wish you didn't tell me that. <laughs> I'm totally lying. Come on. <laughs> you and uh, what's her name? I don't know. Tia Tequila or what's what's that girl's Tia name? Tia Tequila. What is that her name? Uh, I think so. I'm not super familiar with her. Although she, I think she was on Howard Stern one time. That's how. Yeah, I and so well, Juggalos are. Uh, uh, Is she a porn star? Yeah. Uh, all I know is that she went on stage at a Juggalo event and they they threw bottles at her. <laughs> oh, so she has something in common with Don McLean. <laughs> I love I love to watch on the internet. I love to watch on like YouTube like interviews by when uh, what's the gathering that the Juggalos have every year? I don't even know. Oh, gathering of the Juggalos. I think maybe it is, but uh, those Could people you... are those people are the dumbest people on earth. And they are highly entertaining. But, you know, hey, there is a sense of community, you know? <laughs> Aren't they a terrorist group or something? What are they? Weren't they designated yeah, they got as something? Classified as a, they got classified as a terrorist group, I think, which is hysterical to me because those people are stupid as shit. But, I mean, uh, but they're a community, <laughs> right? I mean, you think about it, community can have some negative kind of like connotations, right? I mean, I'm on the board for my community. And while ours is very generic and, you know, very basic. Are you talking um, HOA? Yeah. Homeowners Association. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually the president of my HOA. I am steadfastly against HOAs. Well, I could have a total disagreement with you. I could agree with you and I could disagree with you all in one. <laughs> I'm coming down to Raleigh. I'm going to hold a sign out in front They're of They're very popular meetings. I know, which is part of the problem in America, I believe, but <clears throat> everybody I know in an HOA, they know every, they know all of their neighbor's business, you know, like, and they all get upset at people who don't 
cut their grass on time and yeah but you know who should have had an hoa the people of east tremont in the bronx you know what i'm talking about no when the cross bronx expressway was built that fucking guy robert moses a lot of people didn't like him uh he ripped up ripped i think 1500 families were displaced by that fucking dude just so he could have a stupid road it's one of the worst roads in America, too. Well, the, the entire that. the entire downtown area of Albany is based on an entire uh, population being displaced. Uh, Nelson Rockefeller had this, you know, this vision of a of a governmental like you know paradise, basically, and they destroyed an entire. Uh, very, very, very large neighborhood and displaced yep. people. So yeah, I mean, I but that's not really an HOA, is it? I mean, well, I made it as a joke because that 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 was a community of people that basically had their lives all blown up for the stupid road, right? I mean, yeah. when I in think a Robert sense, Moses is guilty of that all over New York State. No, he was one of the worst uh, power maniacs in, on the planet. If you, I'm sure you've seen some documentaries on his whole life and some. You know, isn't he responsible for uh, the Dodgers moving to L.A. Because he got in a big fight with the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers or something? I don't know. Probably. Just seems that like for all the good that's done, there's always a significant amount of bad tied to it necessary evil isn't that what they call it isn't it the road to hell is paved with good intentions Ooh, that's another good one or i don't know if we're coming up on the end but i saved this quote because we haven't you know what i'm really mad at you and me both for we've deviated from our everything is connected through the simpsons uh (laughs) theme (laughs) So two things. One, I I had this boss in California. He was a really funny guy. He was a really good guy. And he was my peer. And then he got promoted to boss. And the boss before us was a maniac. Real smart business guy, but just kind of a ball-busting dude. This guy, first time I took him out, I was prepared to be managed like the other guy did it. And he just shakes his head. He's like, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff, Jerry. <laughs> he goes... I just want to know that you like The Simpsons. And I'm like, of course. Well, what, what the fuck kind of stupid question is that? And he you goes, because really if people that? don't like The Simpsons, I don't like them. <laughs> yeah, it's like finding out someone doesn't like dogs. You know, I agree with that. Yeah, it's a good litmus test. I'd explained to someone what a litmus test was the other day. And I did, a, I did an awful job. They're like, what is litmus test? What does that mean? I'm like, what do you mean, what does it mean? How do you not know what it means? <laughs> well, I couldn't explain it. <laughs> If you know a person who doesn't know what litmus test means, that that's the kind of person you don't want in your community. No, but they're young. Young people don't know shit because they don't get taught shit. Yeah, See, that's the don't. problem. Not everyone grows up with dads like we had. Again, it comes from the community. We had fathers that gave a shit. They weren't the best. They were flawed, but they fucking cared, and they showed it. <laughs> Sometimes a little too much, you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, here's the last quote, and I don't know if you have anything else, but I got to say this. Homer, uh, kids are great. You can teach them 
to hate everything you hate. <laughs> I don't know if that ties into our thing today, but ties into one of my it. one of my one of my favorite Homer Simpson's quotes. Speaking about fathers, and uh, he says, "Lisa, just because I don't care doesn't mean I don't understand." You know that <laughs> that was in the running. I had that. I had that. I was trying to figure out which one I was going to go with. That that was in the the final running. Good one. <laughs> good one, brother. All, all right. right. Have a good afternoon, all right? Stay free and find a community. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. <laughs>